Hello, everyone, and welcome to Killer Casts, where we tell stories of true American heroes. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick, and alongside, I've got my brother, Brandon Kilpatrick. Hey, everyone, we're excited to share with you a couple stories about people when in difficult situations displayed heroism and courage. To introduce ourselves, again, my name's Michael Kilpatrick, and I'm a mechanical engineering student at BYU-Idaho. And again, I'm Brandon Kilpatrick. I'm a structural engineer and a member of the Idaho Army National Guard. We went with the name Killer Cast for a couple of reasons. First, because growing up in sports and in school, we were given the nickname Killer because of our last name, Kilpatrick. And second, because we find these to be killer stories as an excellent, exciting, and impressive. In today's episode, episode four, we'll be giving two stories. The first is about a North Korean army determined to take a position called 749. The second is about a man named Joseph Vittori that chose to fight when everything was stacked against him. Let the podcast introduction spark patriotism in your heart, and then listen all the way through to see how the two stories connect. We hope you enjoy today's stories. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Where did we find such men? We find them where we've always found them. In our villages and towns, on our city streets, in our shops and on our farms. The American people may not always see them. We may not always hear of their success, but they are there in the thick of the fight, in the dark of night, achieving their mission. We thank God they're there. The temperature started to drop as the evening of September 15, 1951 crept in. We weren't sure if the fog had rolled in or if it was just the residual smoke from the day's battle. We'd gathered intel on where the Americans were located on Hill 749. They were in two positions facing back to back, but spread apart by a half mile or so. We knew that if we could take the smaller south post, we would have a superior vantage point and a key position for further attacks. We had regrouped and had hundreds of men to guarantee a victory of this battle. There were only a few American machine gun nests just ahead. The night had settled in and our cover was set. It was a little eerie though, as the birds weren't chirping and the air was still. We crawled forward until we could hear the voices of the Americans. We were waiting for our war horn to sound before we set forth on our attack which would produce a swift but sure victory. The horn rang and echoed off the nearby hillside. We jumped to our feet and raged forward with our war cry. Immediately, four American machine guns started blazing, causing the sky to light up orange and red from their muzzle flashes. We pressed forward and jumped behind their sandbags to take cover. Hearing the Americans scream and use tactics took us by surprise. I heard a heart-dropping thud and ting and looked to my left and saw an American grenade fall in the middle of a group of my Koreans. One tried to grab it and throw it away, but he was just too slow. Realizing we were at a bad angle, we pulled back and tried to take the far right machine gun as a full unit. We fought our way into the nest but received American fire and were pushed out. Again, we regrouped and started to notice that the machine guns were firing in in what looked like a strategic pattern. We knew that we had hit a few of them, but it seemed as if there were an unlimited supply of Americans. We tried to take the hill for a few more hours, but the American strategic machine gun firing rate and accuracy had increased to such an amount 
that we couldn't take it. Even with the hundreds of soldiers, we didn't have enough guys to take out what seemed to be a ferocious army protecting that hill. It was apparent that the Americans didn't want to lose Hill 749. We were told to retreat and grab our dead and wounded. The account of our fallen soldiers were unknown at the time. As the shots had stopped from both sides, we looked up and saw a faint shadow in the mist. He was in the first machine gun nest. A loud crack came from beside me, and the American had fallen. It was the first one we'd actually seen fall all night. Maybe we'll have better luck on tomorrow's attack, and hopefully the American army will withdraw some of their troops. It is interesting to look at a battle from a perspective of the enemy or foe. There are always two sides to a story, and sometimes another perspective brings a story to life. Brennan will now tell the second story. We will pick up Joseph Vittori's story after he had already received one Purple Heart from the first wave of attacks where he engaged in hand-to-hand combat. As he left the field hospital, Joseph was assigned to a safer regiment, but he begged to be reassigned to his original group. Eventually, his wish was granted, and he was able to be on the front line where he felt comfortable. Expecting a counterattack during the night, Joseph and his fellow men prepared for combat. They were armed with four machine guns, having two people manning each gun. These guns were spread about 100 yards apart to create a field of view where each gun's sector of fire would overlap. Joseph and his comrades knew that the attack was imminent. The enemy horn sounded and the firefight began. Hundreds of guns were blazing, more than Joseph had expected, and this time they included mortars. They thought the mortars would keep the American heads down so the Koreans could crawl up to the machine gun pits and ambush. Joseph and his friend Lyle Conaway were manning pit one of four when suddenly Lyle got hit. His face was covered in dirt and blood to the point where he could barely make out the silhouette of Joseph through only his right eye. Joseph handed him a box of 38 grenades, a container of ammunition, and a few empty magazines and was told to periodically throw grenades and reload mags so Joseph could continue to fire upon the enemy. Joseph saw that the men in Nest 2 needed help, so he ran to them unprotected and proceeded to push back the enemy while they tried to unjam the machine gun. Suddenly, a mortar hit Nest 3 and instantly killed both men that were running that gun. Joseph, again unprotected, ran to Nest 3, where he confirmed both men dead. He grabbed their machine gun and continued to fire. A few minutes later, he ran to Nest 4 to check on them and found that both had been killed. He took up their gun and fired away, making it look as if they were both still alive. He again returned to Nest 3, fired a few rounds, and then went to Nest 2. When he arrived, he found them both dead. Seeing the enemy closing in, he took hold of the machine gun that was still warm from his dead friend's hands and sent bullets down the hill. Praying that Lyle was still alive, Joseph ran to Nest 1 to find six Korean warriors getting ready to jump in the pit. Arriving just in time, Joseph shot all six and then took cover in pit 1. Finding his friend alive, Joseph grabbed more magazines when he was informed by Lyle that he had been shot in the chest. Not wasting time thinking of his own wounds, Joseph ran back to pits 2, 3, 4, and back again, jumping on each machine gun and shooting to show the enemy each pit was still in full operation. Running between nests, he would shoot his personal rifle, making it look as if there were more Americans than there actually was. He kept his heroic bluff up for two hours until the Koreans retreated, thinking there was too many American troops for them to handle. In the silence of their retreat, Joseph went to Lyle, stood up, and said, You go first. I'll cover you. Right then, a retreating enemy bullet flew and struck Joseph in the face, ending his stand and life instantly. Lyle was then able to run and call for backup. The Koreans retreated to what they thought was a bulletproof American army, when in reality, 
it was a single American warrior that held Hill 749 and maintained the machine gun line all night. The next day, the Marines found 200 dead enemy soldiers, some of whom were just feet away from Joseph Vittori. Although the odds might not be in your favor, keep fighting. Keep trying. Never give up, for you don't know what your enemy might be thinking. They might be seeing you as being too strong or too grand of a task to overtake. Remember, you're only as strong as you want to be. So aim high and give your all, like Joseph Vittori. You might not be there to see the enemy disperse, but your courage and stand made it so others could. Email us your thoughts and stories you think will be great over the air at KillerCast22 at gmail.com. That's KillerCasts, C-A-S-T-S, 22 at gmail.com. Remember your pledge and fight for it. Fight for it as Joseph Vittori fought when he single-handedly held Hill 749. Fight for your pledge as Martin Trepto fought for his pledge to protect this country. Martin Treptow, trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans. <laughs>